If I had six hours to chop down a tree, I'd spend the first four hours sharpening the axe. Abraham Lincoln. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I'm Cal Walters. I hope I'm finding you well today. Here I am again in my car. It's about 6.30 recording an episode that I'm very excited about. This is an organic topic, a topic that I actually hadn't planned to cover today. I was actually gonna start a three-part series on servant leadership, but I have been doing a deep dive into servant leadership over the past two weeks, and I had no idea there was so much content There's so many wonderful examples, and so I'm actually going to start that series next week. It's going to be a three-part series about servant leadership. It's going to be, I think, really valuable to you. I know it's been very valuable to me as I've really dug into what is servant leadership. What are the principles of servant leadership? What are the benefits of it? What are the arguments against servant leadership? And why are those arguments maybe not as strong as some might think? So I'm going to dive into that next week. And so today's topic is a topic that has really hit me recently in the past couple weeks. And it was all based on an interview I listened to about Marshall Falk. So let me tell you the quick story about Marshall Falk. So Marshall Falk is an NFL Hall of Fame running back. Many of you probably know Marshall Falk. He led the St. Louis Rams to the Super Bowl. He retired as the NFL's ninth rank rusher. Of all time, he had 12,279 yards, had 100 touchdowns. He also had 767 career receptions, which is 16th all time. He had 6,875 yards and 36 touchdowns as a receiver. Now, keep in mind, he's a running back. He also recorded eight 100-yard receiving games in his 12-year, 176-game career. So this guy, incredible football player. I mean, if you, if you know football, you know Marshall Falk. What many of us, at least I didn't know, is that back in 1991, Marshall Falk was a third-string running back at San Diego State University, so not a big Division I football powerhouse. His team was hosting the University of the Pacific at home, and his chances of getting in the game were very slim. This was the second game of the season. He He'd played a little bit in the first game, but not very well. And so during the first quarter of the game, the senior running back, his name was T.C. Wright, suffered a thigh bruise. And so the head coach is is looking around. The first string running back had gone down. He's looking around to try to find a guy by the name of Wayne Pittman. And Wayne Pittman was the backup running back. The problem was Wayne Pittman couldn't find his helmet. And so the only choice the coach had was to put in Marshall Falk. Well, That was a good decision, turns out. Marshall Falk went on to score seven touchdowns in that game. He rushed for 386 yards. He had 422 all-purpose yards. He scored 44 of San Diego State's 55 points that night. So that was Marshall Falk. And that was really the beginning of the player that we all know now as Marshall Falk. That game, that second game of the season against the University of the Pacific as a third-string running back, was the moment that Marshall Falk got his opportunity. He didn't know it was coming. In fact, when Marshall Falk was kind of reflecting on this, he said he didn't envision it happening in that way and to that extent and in that big of a way. But he said, I was prepared. I was prepared. I was prepared because I'd put in the work. I'd spent the time watching the film. 
I had spent the time thinking about my position. I knew that if I got in the game, I was going to know what I had to do. I'd put in the workouts. I'd been lifting. I'd been running. I'd been understanding everyone else's job. And so when he was given that opportunity, even though he didn't know it was coming, he outperformed. He outperformed. Now I want to tell you a very different story, which is my story. So I played football in high school. I played at a, a small high school in North Carolina. I was, as a sophomore, I was one of only a few players to make the varsity football team. I played running back. I played outside linebacker. I returned kicks and punts. And in my junior and my senior year, I barely ever left the field. I mean, I was always on the field. And so I kind of got recruited. I always like to say that I was kind of soft recruited. I got recruited from the, the military academies in the sense that I got, I think, the standard letter that almost any high school football player gets. So I, I'm, I'm not, I wasn't really recruited. So when I ended up going to West Point, I ended up having to try to walk onto the football team. And so, you know, thankfully, I was one of about, I think, three players my year that, that were able to walk onto the football team. And at West Point, this is Army. It's in Division One football team. And when I walked onto the team, they moved me in the sense that I had never played this position. They moved me to receiver. I'd always been a running back. So being a receiver was a position I was very unfamiliar with. And so when I got onto the team, I kind of took the same approach that I had always taken in high school. And that was just, hey, I'm just going to work hard and practice. And maybe I'll have an opportunity to, to play and I'll just kind of do my best. I didn't do anything extra. I never spent any time watching film. I never spent any time reviewing the plays, even though I didn't honestly know how to be a receiver. I, I was having to learn that all for the first time, but I never did any extra. And not only that, but I never believed that I really belonged as a receiver on that starting lineup. I kind of accepted my role as, hey, I'm a, I'm a backup, backup, backup. I'm not going to play this season, probably next season. And I'm okay with that. I mean, I just kind of accepted that position. And I remember vividly the head coach at the time, called me out of the masses into the first team offense to run some plays. And so this was my opportunity. This was almost my Marshall Falk moment. So he calls me into the offense and I just remember kind of almost having, <laughs> it, it kind of reminds me of being in law school and being called on in, in the freshman year. It's like when you stand up, it's like everything in your brain just kind of falls out. Well, that's what happened. So they called me into the huddle and I had not spent the time learning those plays, learning my role, learning what I would do whenever they called a different transition in the huddle. And so it was clear to the coach, and it was probably clear to everyone else when we lined up that I did not know what I was doing. And it was super embarrassing. I mean, it was not a, a fun moment. In fact, as I was reflecting on this, I kind of had that recall of that feeling of embarrassment. But I just remember I was not prepared. The coach yelled at me. He said, Cal, you know, you need to learn the plays. But there is the exact contrast to Marshall Falk. Marshall Falk, when his opportunity came, he was ready. He was prepared. And he was prepared because he'd been putting in the work. You know, the thing that, the concept that I wish someone had taught me back, you know, those, I think that was probably my freshman or sophomore year of West Point. I wish I had read the book by Stephen Covey and Seven Habits of Highly Effective People where he talks about this concept. This is the most important thing that I want you to hear and take away from this short talk is that private victories always precede public victories. Private victories always precede 
public victories. For Marshall Falk, those private victories were those workouts, that time spent looking at film, that time spent learning his position. And so when that opportunity to have a public victory came, he surpassed expectations. For me, I had been just doing the bare minimum, showing up to practice, doing what the coach asked me to do. I was spending no time doing the extra, having those private victories, so that when the public opportunity came for me to succeed, I failed. And so I just want to ask you today, what opportunities might be in your future that you're not preparing for? What public victories might there be in your future that you might have an opportunity to walk into, but because of what you're doing today or you're not doing today, you may not be ready. We all kind of have this concept, this false concept sometimes of success. We think that someone just shows up and they just seize the moment and that's what success looks like. We think people show up at the beach in the summer with those six-pack abs and that, you know, man, I wish I had that body. Well, that person showing up at the beach in the summer with six-pack abs has been working all year to maintain and to have that. You don't just show up on game day without putting in the work. And so I just want to encourage you today to focus on what Stephen Covey would say is sharpening the saw. Focus on having those private victories. In your professional life, this probably looks a lot like developing those technical skills. What are those technical skills that you need in your professional life to get better at? What are you doing extra to get better so that when that opportunity presents itself, you'll be ready? Also in your professional life, what are you doing to get better at your leadership? Leadership is always something that we can get better at. It is a skill that we develop. I've seen this and I've adopted this in my own life. A lot of times we just think, oh, I'll get to that position and then I'm a leader. The position itself is going to make me the leader. Well, yes, technically you will be the leader, but if you haven't taken the time to really develop those leadership skills, you're going to be learning on the fly. And just like Marshall Falk, you got to be ready. You got to put in that work up front, have those private victories so that when you get there, you're that much more ready. We've all seen leaders who who kind of outpace their growth in the sense that they get to a position that they really aren't qualified for in the sense that they don't really have those leadership abilities. So in your professional life, I just encourage you, keep developing those technical skills and keep developing those leadership skills. And then in your personal life, keep sharpening the saw. Everywhere you go, and this is also true, I guess, in your professional life, everywhere you go, personally or professionally, you are there. It's never going to be a bad thing for you to work on yourself. Keep getting better. You know, take some time to think and reflect about how can I get better? How can I get better? And then what do I need to do to be better? Each day, be a work in progress. Keep making that progress. And I think we're really happiest when we're getting better, when we're making that progress. And then focus on sowing seeds. Give yourself credit when you sow those seeds. Let that be the way you define success. Define success by the private victories that you have. We often want to define success by the public victories, but we really know that it's those private victories, those things that happen when no one else is looking, those things that happen early in the morning or late at night, that's what ultimately allows us to really experience long-term success. And then consistency, be consistent, be consistent. I'll give you just a few examples of some of the things that, as I was kind of going through this, some things that I took stock of in my own life where I think I'm having private victories. I'm consistently getting up early. For me, that's big. I know that when I get up early, I'm at my best. I get my personal time and I'm growing. I'm consistently reading. I'm consistently reflecting. 
I'm consistently journaling. I'm consistently, by doing those things, learning from my mistakes. I'm consistently sharing some of the lessons I'm learning with other people. I'm consistently praying. I'm consistently spending time with my daughter. Now, I'm not perfect at any of these things, but I just, as I was doing this as this exercise, I wanted to take stock of what are the private victories that I'm currently having. And I need to give myself credit for those. Otherwise, you'll, you'll tend to stop doing them. I'm consistently working out. The problem with these private victories is a lot of times we don't see the detriment when we don't do them right away. For example, if you stop working out for a couple days, you're not gonna see the, the detriment. But over time, you know, give it six months, you'll start to see it. And so you gotta give yourself credit when you get these private victories. So I wanna ask you just a few application questions to kind of close out this, this short lesson. One, write down some of your greatest public victories. And then after you write down some of your greatest public victories, write down the private victories that allowed you to get to that point. Number two, what private victories are you having right now? Just like I just talked about. Ask yourself, what private victories am I having right now? And then take a moment to give yourself credit for those. And then find a system of rewarding yourself for those private victories, of being consistent in those private victories. Number three, what public victories do you hope to have one day? Maybe it's a job that you want to get. Maybe it's something you want to create. Maybe it's someone you want to impact. Maybe you just want to be a really good mother one day or a really good grandmother one day or a fantastic father or grandfather. You want to be able to influence and provide wisdom to your children. Okay, that's great. I think that's an awesome goal. And then the next question is what private victories do you need to add today to your routine in order to have that in the future. I wanna encourage you today to continue to focus, continue to focus on having these private victories because one day when the opportunity presents itself, you're gonna be ready to walk in to those incredible opportunities and seize the day. I hope you have a great day. I hope you have a great week. Life is short. Let's make it count today.